Welcome to Pathway to Faith Podcast, the media ministry of Harvest Church International Outreach, where we elevate and nurture families through the Word of God. We are so glad that you are here and believe that God will change your life through today's message. Let's listen. Amen. Let's go to nugget number one. Nugget number one. Nugget number one, please. Ready? Let's read together. Come on, sound like the crowd that we have here tonight. Men were to use Jesus Christ's method of winning the world to God the Father. Nugget number two is a lengthy one, so pay attention. Nugget number two. Ready? Read. Now, those of you who are watching through our e-church, don't just sit there. I need you to get into the game. I need you to get involved. There's something about you opening up your mouth and declaring the word of the Lord over your life and in your home that has an unexplainable effect to the glory of God. Ready? Number two, clearly accepting the call of God is accepting to be made into something that you are not. Oh my, nugget number three. They didn't get happy on that one, Jesus. Maybe somebody in the e-church shouted. It is a privilege and an honor to be called of God to get involved in kingdom business. Just think for a moment. He could have called anybody. Some of you, you're the first one called in your family. It is a privilege that God has called you and I. And I'm talking to those of you who are watching around the world. It is a privilege and an honor that God would call you to get involved in kingdom business. Hallelujah to Jesus. Can somebody say amen? Nugget number four, and we'll end there. As you accept the call, God molds you into a vessel that he can use. If you accept the call. I said, if you, anybody have accepted the call? then when you accept the call, you're saying, God, mold me, make me, shape me into what the image you have in your mind. I want to be what you plan for me to be so that I can be a vessel that you can use. Let's go to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. And let's look together at verse number 13. God, make me a fisher of men. God, make me a fisher of men. God, make me. I need you to make me because I'm selfish in myself. So I need you to make me. God, I need you to do something in me because in my natural bent of of who I am, uh, my thoughts are continuously just on myself. Me, myself, and, uh, and the big eye. But God, if you make me, and if you mold me, then I will become concerned about the things that you're concerned about. And committed as well. Can somebody say amen? Look at verse 13. Luke chapter 6, verse 13. And when it was day, 
He called, some of you are going to see something for the first time. He called his disciples to himself. And look at this. And from them, most of you thought it was just 12. <laughs> Jesus. But notice it's clear it was more than 12. Jesus. Look at this. And when it was day, what did he do? He called his disciples to himself. And from, come on, and from them, he chose 12. So it had to be more than 12. It had to be more than 12 disciples. But from those who were following him, he chose how many? He chose 12 whom he also named apostles. So clearly, there were more disciples than the 12 that were chosen. The other day, we had a, um, a meeting on Tuesday for about an hour, and I, I made the point, and the people really seemed to get excited over it, and I said, you, you don't always get to choose your acquaintances. Sometimes you get acquainted with somebody just, uh, I mean, you pumping gas and, and you bump into somebody. Come on. Or you're on a job and they're working in the next cubicle or the next office and you, the job forces you to have some measured interaction. And, and oftentimes we get hurt. We get scarred from acquaintances. Because many times we wrongly label acquaintances. And sometimes we label acquaintances as friends. And they're not a friend. They're an acquaintance. Oh, Jesus. And so you get hurt because you thought somebody was your friend. But a real friend doesn't do that to you. A real friend won't allow other folk to run you down in their presence. Ooh, Jesus. A real friend won't take your spouse. Oh, help me, Jesus. Are you listening to me? Not a real friend. Now, an acquaintance will. But notice in the text that the Bible says, and Jesus in the morning called his disciples. And from the disciples, he what? He chose 12. You don't always get to choose your acquaintances, but you do get to choose your friends. Oh, God, is this good? The initial objective of Jesus Christ's plan was to enlist men who could bear witness to his life and carry on his work after he returned to the Father. You, you have to get the, the magnitude of this. That Jesus chose 12. We don't have time, but in your study time, read it, the whole, the whole setting, and, and you'll come to the conclusion that Jesus didn't just choose 12. The Bible says that he prayed a long time. So you don't have a, who can help you now? It's dangerous to choose a friend without prayer. Yes, 
Because only God in your prayer time can talk to you and tell you the reason, the real reason why they showed up. Because sometimes people show up with ulterior motives. They're just acting like they like you. They're just acting like they're with you. That's why you must spend a reasonable amount of time in prayer before you allow people to get close to you. You need to know from God that they qualify to get that close to you. Because the closer you get, the more you see. Jesus. Oh, Jesus. And you have to really love me. You have to really be a real friend to get close and see that I'm human and don't turn on me. Oh, God. So this is so awesome. Think for a moment. When Jesus was choosing the 12, he was choosing them in the mindset of knowing that in a few years he's leaving. And he is going to leave this enormous responsibility of winning the world to the Father through him. What an awesome responsibility. Can you see? I mean, you really have to take your time and choose the people when you realize you're getting ready to leave in a little bit and everything you came for to be, for it to be fulfilled is going to be fulfilled through the people you've chosen. So knowing that he only had three years to deal with them, you can, you can understand he didn't have time to waste. They had to pay attention. Because it won't be long before they're going to have to do ministry without having uh, the luxury of having him there. And Jesus has to put something in them so solid that when he leaves, they won't lose it. Good God of mercy. So when you accept the call to be a disciple of Christ, you also accept the responsibility of allowing God to mold you into something that you are not. Because in and of yourself, you don't have that much patience for people. I can't get no help in this church today. But when you allow God to do something on the inside of you, he molds you in such a way that you can even love your enemies now. Good God of mercy. Because God loves them. I said, God, God loves your enemies. Oh, Jesus. Is this helping anybody at all? Being made a fisherman. Clearly, your second nugget said, clearly accepting the call of God is accepting to be made into something that you are not. In and of yourself, you are not concerned about people going to hell. As a result of not being concerned, you don't witness. You don't tell anybody about Jesus. Nobody's getting saved. But if you allow God 
to do in you what he desires to do in you. He will mold you and he will make you into a different person where you will become concerned and passionate about what he's concerned and passionate about. And that is souls. Can somebody say amen? So Jesus offered to make Steve, I mean to make Peter, into what he was not. Peter was a fisherman, yes? He would go to, we call it in the Bible, uh, uh, the, the Sea of Galilee. But if you ever go to Israel, you discover it's not a sea at all. It's just a lake, like Smithville. Are you listening to me? But, but Peter was skilled in catching fish. Amen? But Peter had no understanding, no insight about catching men. He knew how to catch fish, but he didn't know how to catch men. Well, why did Jesus choose him? Because the characteristics and the principles and the commitment that you have to have to be a fisherman to catch fish you have to set the same commitment, applying the same principles to catch men and women. Oh, God. So, so you don't go fishing all the time. Can I help you? You go fishing when the fish are biting. Now, I'll leave that one. The, the fish are not always biting. And I heard somebody in the audience say it loud. I know who it was. That's because he's a fisherman. I go fishing. You know, I take one part. I don't need any more. And when I go, <clears throat> I don't go to be there all day. The fish should know I'm coming. And if my barber don't do something, and sometimes I get tricked because the wind is blowing it. But if something don't happen in a hurry, uh, my mind wanders off. And I start thinking about other things. Now, now, it's not that I'm a bad person. And the reason I'm out there wasting time is because I'm not a skilled fisherman. See, when I go fishing, I, I just try to find a spot where nobody is. Or if I see somebody catching something, I ease over that way. Okay, I'm the only one like that. You know, I'm, I'm there, nothing's happening, I'm looking over there, and look like there's some action. And after a while, I just, you know, kind of pick my stuff up and, and move that way. But a real fisherman, they not only catch fish, they know when to go fishing. See, a real fisherman doesn't go fishing in the afternoon. That's people like you and I. We have to wait till we get up. A real fisherman is going to catch fish while everybody else is asleep. Before the dawn cracks the sky, a fisherman is already 
on the lake, already at the, at, the, at the ocean. They're already there. Got everything out. They're ready. Got their lantern. I mean, they're ready. And they also know when to pack it up and go home because you can stay out there for another four or five hours and you're not going to catch anything. Why? Because the fish ain't biting. Lamont Dozier said that. So if you're going to catch fish, you have to know when to go catch them. Good God of mercy. And the best time to catch fish of men is when they're in a crisis. When they think everything's going good, they don't need your Jesus. When they think they're making it by themselves, uh, they don't want to hear about your God. But let them just keep living. Just, just keep being a light at the office. Don't get spooky. Walking all through the office, quoting scripture. Just be the scriptures. Are you listening to me? Don't, don't, don't have a 15-pound Bible, you know, sitting on your desk. Just be the Bible. Live it before them. And when they hit a crisis... They're going to come to somebody at the office in the neighborhood who looks like they've got the victory in the midst of chaos. That's why as a believer, you should never be sad. How can you be sad with God on your side? I got a few calls from some people who love me, and I appreciate them calling but they were just checking to see, you know, if I was all right, was I going to be able to minister? I certainly can minister. My uncle transitioning doesn't stop anything. He's gone where I'm going, as long as it's heaven. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? Now, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Anybody here tonight and to our e-church, have you ever been fishing? To the e-church, I can't see you. Wave your hand at me to our e-church, the online church. Yeah, wave your hand. Even here, wave your hand. Anybody ever been fishing? All right, put your hand. Who hasn't been fishing? Never been fishing? You don't want to go with me. <laughs> well, for those of us who, there's enough in here to bear witness to what I'm going to say. Uh, let me see the hands again of those who've been fishing. It's an unexplainable feeling, isn't it? When something get on your line. And, I mean, you know, especially if you got other people around you, and I mean, it's clear that baby's on your hook. And uh, you stand different, don't you? I mean, you was kind of like this, but when you, it's clear you got him, you just... I mean, you, you're just reeling it in. Uh, get the net, get the net, get the net. It's a big one. I mean, it's just a, it's a thrilling feeling, yes, when you catch a fish, especially when nobody else catching it. And then you look over in your, your little basket uh, where you got four or five channel cats or bluegills. I'll find you in a minute. Or crappie. I'll find what you like in a minute. 
and you, you have to pull it out of the water and put another big one in. And then throw your, throw your, your, your line with your back. I mean, it's just a thrilling feeling. If it's such a thrilling feeling to catch a fish in the water, what are you missing in this life by not catching men for Jesus? What is your life like without catching fish? I'm not talking about you. I'm talking to our e-church. What is your life like without catching fish? Your greatest battle has to be depression or oppression. You wake up in the morning oppressed because you're not catching fish. When you're catching fish, your mind isn't on anything else. And the things you get off of your mind, God will get it on his mind. And he's well able to take care of it. Because he said, all your cares, cast them over to me. For I care for you. So what is your life like, Christian? What is your life like every day? Every day you get up and every week, every month, and every year for some, and never catch a fish. A real fisherman can't even, can't even visualize not going fishing. Especially when they know, when they look outside, they know, man, the fish are biting. Next thing you know, he or she, they're taking off. My wife loves the fish. I mean, loves the fish. She's watching right now. Loves the fish. I mean, till it gets dark. I have to, you know, tell, baby. She loved, her mother loved the fish. It's just thrift. She said it's relaxing. Well, if it's relaxing catching fish out of the water, it has to do something to us catching fish of men and presenting them to God. Jesus, look what I caught today. Present this to the Father and tell him I love him. Tell him I said thank him. Thank the Father that through you, Jesus, he's chosen me to be fishers of me. Out of all the people at Harvest Church, he chose me. Out of all the people in the body of Christ, he out of all the people in the world, he chose me to be a part, amen, of fishing of men that I might add people into the kingdom of God. Oh, God, is this good? I said, is this good? Are we in 2 Corinthians 13? Look at the verse number 8. For we can do nothing against the truth. I'm helping you to soul win now. 
for we can do nothing against the truth. The Amplified, it, it says, for we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. In other words, God says, when you go, you don't have to defend me. I didn't send you to defend me. I sent you to tell them about me. God, there's a difference. I didn't send you to argue with people. I didn't send you to debate with people. I sent you out to tell them about me. So I didn't send you out to get into some debate. When people are wanting to debate, that's a sign to you that they're not ready to bite. And by and large, human fish does not bite unless they're in a crisis. Backslider C. It's something about being in a crisis that makes you want to listen to somebody who says, that they have the answer. You don't care what color they are. You don't care how many degrees they got. They got the answer. And bless God, I need help. By and large, uh, those of us who are saved, maybe there's one or two here, it wasn't me, that got saved because life is so good. I mean, I just woke up one day and said, my God, life is just so good. Everything's just going so right. I think I'll get born again today. That, that's not my testimony. I tried all kind of things. I've done all kind of even wicked things and found myself in a hog's den and cried out to God and thank God he heard me. And he sent a laborer named Sid Gravely from New York City across my path. And it wasn't hard for him to minister to me because I was in a crisis. I'd lost everything I had. And he said he had the answer. And I was listening. Are you all listening to me? I didn't fight him. Because I was in a crisis. My life was jacked up. Jacked up, jacked up. And he said he had the answer to my dilemma. That my answer was Jesus. And that was new to me because most people I encountered, they always talked about coming to their church. And you have to be careful because you can go to church and not hear about Jesus. And Sid didn't offer me church. He didn't even say, come go with me to my church. He offered me Jesus right on the spot. He said, your problem is not church. Your problem, you need Jesus. If you get right with Jesus, you'll go to church. Did you hear me eat, church? When you get really excited about God, there'll be something in you that would want to come to the house of God. Hallelujah to Jesus. Amen. So we're to declare, we're not to debate, we're not to fight. We're only to declare the word of God and not spend your time defending it. You hear what I just said? When God sends you out, he's not sending you out to defend the word. The word of God will defend itself. God sends us out not to defend the word, but to declare it. 
to declare the word that Jesus loves you, that you're a sinner, but Jesus has paid a price so that you can be saved. And the only way for you to be saved is through Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father. That no matter what's going on in your life, no matter how jacked up it is, this man named Jesus from Galilee can fix it. And he loves you. And people need to know that's good news. That he loves you so much that he'll take you just like you are, but he won't leave you like you are. And there's nothing that you've done that his precious blood cannot wash out of your life. Somebody ought to get happy over that truth. That's good news. So it is a privilege and an honor to be called to get involved in kingdom business. And the reason I am so adamant about witnessing and and trying to live a life that will reflect Christ is because I've worked in the world hard. And I was faithful. Are you listening to me? I went to work on time. And I got promoted on every secular job I ever had. My boss never had to look for me. Most jobs I had, eventually when I was there a while, I moved from the bottom to the top. Because I was faithful. I thank Mr. Jonesy, my daddy, who taught me how to work. I don't need nobody looking over my shoulder. I'm going to do my job. And I'm not going to jump around when you show up. If you happen to come by and I just happen, you know, to be doing something else, I'm not going to jump up and go to doing something. Because I was. if you've been watching me, you've noticed I'm a worker. So when you come by as a supervisor, I don't get nervous. I don't jump up and grab a pencil. Or act like I'm typing something on my iPad. Because if you've been watching me, you've come to discover that you don't have to watch me. Because what I do is not under you, supervisor. My promotion doesn't come from you, supervisor. My promotion comes from God. And I'm only here on this job because at this time and season in my life, this is my assignment from God. They didn't just hire me. God called me to this place. Good God of mercy. So what I do, I do it as under God. You call me a good worker, but God calls me faithful. And he said, if you're faithful over the little things, good God of mercy. I'm preaching better than you all responding. So it is a privilege and an honor to be called to get involved in kingdom business. And I'm serious about this. If I was serious for Pharaoh, certainly I'm going to be serious for God. If if you're late for Pharaoh, you'll lose your job. I'm too excited about God to come to church late. I'm excited to come. Now, I know in the natural, if you are late on your job, you'll lose your job. Some of you are on probation now. Just to keep looking straight. And our e-church said, boy, I'm glad I'm at home today. (laughs) He got me on that one. I got you. But that's what Pharaoh will do to you. Not only that, but when it's clear to Pharaoh that you are a person who's late, 
you, you miss out on promotion. And now you got somebody who's your boss who's not as skilled as you, but they're faithful and reliable. And so the job says, if you're going to dishonor me by coming to work late, I'll find somebody else. Now, I know some of you, you're looking a little funny, but I'm, I'm not talking to you. I know you're on time. I know you're on time. I know you're on time. But just think for a moment. If you're on time for the secular, then why would you turn around and be late for God? Got quiet, Jesus. Give me something else. Notice again, as you accept the call, he, God, mold you into a vessel that he can use. I'm going to close with this. Mark chapter 1, verse 17. Mark chapter 1. Being made fishers of men. And every person in here who declared that they are fishermen, you, you ought to get excited about it. You certainly should be understanding this. Are you in a, a Mark uh, chapter number one? Mark chapter one. Look at verse number 17. Then Jesus said to them, what did he say? Then Jesus said to them, what did he say? Then Jesus said to them, what? So it's impossible to be fishers of men if you don't follow Jesus. So, so let's not play games. Because we know when we're not following him. Because you, can't, you cannot not follow him you can't follow him and not read your word. The only way you can not read your word, you're not following him. You're not following him if you don't pray. The only way you can follow him, you have to pray. You have to spend intimate time with him. That's the only way you're going to get to know him. And you can't love him if you don't know him. Because to love him is to know him. To know him is to love him. Are you all listening to me? You have to get to know him. And to get to know him, you have to fellowship with him. Through the word of God. Look at verse 17 again. Then Jesus said to them, come on, help me. Follow me and... I will make you God. So you and I, we can't become fishermen on our own. God has to make us something. Because by nature, we're selfish. And all we think about is us and our kids. By human nature, we're selfish. And once we get what we want, we'll tell other folks, I'll be praying for you. And we're lying. We ain't going to say nothing. 
Because by and large, we're selfish. We only want God when we need him. Get in trouble, run to church. Then you should run to church. But God wants to see you more often than other than when you're in a crisis. And sometimes God has to allow, I said allow, God has to allow you to hit a wall just to have fellowship with you again. Because when things are good, he don't see you. (laughs) When things are good, you don't want to be around anybody other than the people you want to be around. You didn't catch that. When things are good, you only want to be around people who you want to be around. But when you get in a crisis, you're willing to be around anybody who can help. Oh, God. Is this helping anybody at all? He says, come after me and be my disciples, the Amplified says, and I will make you to become fishers of men. I will make you to become fishers. In other words, you don't start out that way. But by fellowshipping with him and being with him and loving on him and letting him love on you, you're transformed into something else where you're no longer preoccupied always thinking about you. But God of mercy, is this good? Proverbs 11.30 says, and he who is wise captures human, in the Amplified, your Bible says, for he who winneth souls, is that what it says? In Proverbs 11.30, for he who wins souls is what? In the Amplified, listen to it, it says, and he who is wise captures humans. And he who is wise captures human lives for God. As a fisher of men, he gathers and receives them for eternity. Well, that's good. Here is one of the most, I call it simple, but profound analogies of the Lord Jesus Christ in all the Bible. Would you please stand? In your homes, would you please stand? Turn your Bibles as you're standing to John 15. No amplification. I think it explains itself. I believe what you're about to read, you don't have to take it that way, but I believe it's perhaps one of the most profound, uh, simple analogies of the Lord Jesus Christ that's talking to us as Christians as to how to become fishers of men. As I stand here tonight, I've already shared with you at the beginning that my Uncle Johnny, the only person who ever was in the stand when I was growing up as a little boy, his voice from a family member was the only voice I ever heard my whole childhood, calling my name out from the stand, playing sports. 
He was the only family member that every now and then I would see in the community who would give me a nickel or dime or a quarter, what they call give you some change. Now, I know this generation, you know, when y'all say a nickel, dime, or a quarter, I know that don't sound like much. <laughs> but you'll be amazed at what you could do with a quarter in 1963 and 64. Be amazed. You'll be amo- amazed at how much you can walk out of the store with. <laughs> with 25 cents. Yeah, I mean, you just don't understand how many cookies you could have in your pocket and some Mary Janes, and a couple of drawbreakers. Ooh, Jesus. And still have a little change. But my Uncle Johnny was the only one that I ever experienced that with, with a family. But I rejoice tonight because I had the opportunity to lead my Uncle Johnny to the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you met him when he came. He only came once. He was old and of age at that time. But I tried to get him out here before he was just, you know, it'd be, just be too difficult. And he sat right over in this section, my Uncle Johnny, and heard me preach live for the first time in his life. But he's with Jesus now. Are you in John 15? Look at verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. And every branch in me, every branch that's in me, that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word. Harvest Church into our e-church. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, for without me, for without me, child of God, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch, as is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me, are you getting this? If you abide in me, if if you abide in me, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you. You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. You can't just ask for anything you want. The word of God has to abide in you. If the word of God doesn't abide in you, you'll just be asking for selfish things. But when the word of God abides in you, you only ask and desire those things that are pleasing in his sight. And he said, it'll be done for you. But this, my Father, is glorified that you bear much fruit, Harvest Church. So you will be my disciple. So a real disciple of Jesus Christ bears fruit. 
I say it again. A real disciple of Jesus Christ bears fruit. If you're not bearing fruit, perhaps you're just religious. And religious people are only concerned about rules and regulations. Oh, God, is this helping anybody at all? As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. This is Jesus talking to every one of us. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments. You, do you all see that? I said, do you see that? That when Jesus was walking the earth, notice in the text, he was not doing his own thing. Jesus in the flesh was not doing what he wanted to do. He spent time in prayer to who? The Father. And when he came out of prayer, he said what? I'll only do what I see my Father do. I'll only say what I see my Father say. So when you spend time with God and he has revealed to you what's going to happen for today, you'll walk in that day supernaturally. You all know what's going to happen before it happens. Good God of mercy. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, Harvest Church, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, than to lay down one's life for his friend. You are my friends. This is, this is awesome. He's talking to the disciples. He's, come on now. Ooh, God. He's going to change the relationship. He's, oh, Jesus. He says, you are, my, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants. For a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. Jesus has just changed the relationship because you don't always get to choose your acquaintances, but you do get to choose your friends. For all things that I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go. That you should go, not sit around the house and watch TV all day. That you should go and bear fruit. And that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, He'll give it to you. These things I command you, that you should love one another. I close with this. Stop reading the Bible in a mindset 
that God is making suggestions to you. Because when you read the Bible and think God is making suggestions or recommendations, then you think you have a choice. So God is not asking you and I what we think about this matter. He just simply says that if you abide in me, you will bear fruit and your fruit will remain. Thank you for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give generously and make this ministry outreach possible. Click the link in the description to give now or visit hcio.org slash podcast for more information. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Even tag us on social media at Harvest Church KC. Thanks again for listening.